What would you consider uh, your basic rights to be as a citizen? Uh, perhaps we'd say we want to be treated fairly and respectfully. Uh, we might say that we want access to housing and to information and to basic needs. We'd also say that perhaps if we have ill health or health needs, that we would want easy access to the NHS and health services. But a particularly um, significant piece of work done by Healthwatch um, East Yorkshire has found that for homeless people and people that don't have an address, access to health services isn't always as easy as we might hope. So the authors of this report are sitting opposite me this morning. I might ask them perhaps to introduce themselves. Uh, I'm Matthew Fawcett. I'm the manager of Healthwatch. And Chris Mills, the community outreach officer. It's very good uh, to have you opposite me. Thanks for coming in. Thanks for your time this morning. Yeah, Take me right back to the beginning. And can you tell me how you identified that this piece of work, this piece of research needed to be done? Matthew. One thing that we do as a health watch every year is we engage with three groups that inform our work plan. Um, one of them is the public, and we want to know exactly what the public want us to look into as we are the consumer champions on their behalf. Um, another one is our stakeholders, our partners, professional partners that we work with across the region, because if there's a piece of work that we can't inform in or, or work alongside, then we will. And then our final one is a board that oversee the work of Healthwatch, our independent strategic advisory board. And so using these three things, we, we basically ask what it is we should be looking into, and then we kind of take a consensus of all three and put together a work plan. So over the last year, we've looked at other things such as men's mental health and um, residential care, and homelessness was also identified within that work plan at the time as just an overarching subject of doing a project to benefit those who are identified as homeless. We didn't realise it would turn into this piece of work necessarily until we got the ball rolling on it. But that's really the foundation of how we identified homelessness as a project. And then it was basically about us opening up our hands and saying we don't, we're not experts in homelessness. Our expertise comes in hearing the public voice. So who can we work with and, and how can we hear some of the plights of this demographic? And I think it was just about us getting some partners around the table who represent these groups and saying, in your experience, what are the gaps? So give me in a nutshell what you found by doing this piece of work. Give me some numbers. We have a power called Enter and View. And so we use this Enter and View tool to actually do a, a comprehensive audit of all the GP surgeries across the East Riding to ensure that they were following policy, national policy, in regards to registering homeless people if and when the opportunity occurred to make sure they were getting access to care. And one thing that is positive about this report is in some way, shape or form, that was happening. The big sort of thing for me is just making sure that everyone was doing the same policy and everyone was following the same procedure because then we get consistency across each riding. So how many GP practices, how many health service providers have you looked at in this report? Well, we... Um phone called each and every GP practice in the East Riding. Uh, off the top of my head, I think it's about 56. 51. 51. As Matthew said, there is obviously one national practice that the NHS puts in place. Uh, and I think we saw most of them following it to, to some degree, but also they were sort of deviating from it a little by maybe asking for more types of identification than what the uh, policy said or 
um, maybe an address or other form of uh, documentation. Um, so it, there was going above and beyond what they actually needed to, uh, and obviously that's not following the NHS guidelines. Mm. Uh, and on the back of the, the phone calls, we then actually chose... Um, I think it was 12 GP practices to actually walk into uh, as a almost like a mystery shop, walking in, right. asking the exact same questions we did on the phone, uh, but giving them a second opportunity to answer those questions. One, to see if we got the same response, uh, but two, it was sort of mirroring if a member of the public um, walked in and see what the registration process looked like. You know, we did see a few variances of what the NHS guidelines said, um, but on the whole, they were, they were more or less following it. Can you tell me in more detail then about these guidelines? What do the guidelines say in terms of what documents somebody might need to register with a GP? What are the guidelines? And give me more detail about what you found in practice. I mean, essentially, we've, we've basically copied the guidelines into our recommendation on the back end, which was to produce a, a registration rights card. But the guidance, essentially, in line with national guidelines, is that you do not need a fixed address. You do not need identification and your immigration status does not matter. These are three things that, now again, when this is this is representing a, a demographic, a vulnerable group. This isn't to say that everyone now can, it can be the Wild West and everyone can just go to any GP and walk in with one of these cards. This card is specifically for a vulnerable group. And I think in general, GPs will ask for more information because like any service, the more information they have about you, the better they are to maybe co communicate with you, correspond, treat you, the whole the whole package essentially. But this card is just a tool to help with vulnerable people. So that national guidance is just to make sure that if people don't feel they can access GPs, actually they can. And I think that was going back to your point about where this started and, and how this all began is one of the things our partners said universally was about health because this group, homeless people who may be living on the street or sofa surfing, are actually at most risk to... to gain ill health and, and, and to be vulnerable in that way. So it was an opportunity for us to produce something with national guidance on the back of it that actually empowers people. I think a lot of people have been put off the idea of even going to a GP because I haven't got an address, I haven't got this, that and the other. How can I, I won't even get through the door. It'll be embarrassing. And we want to kind of change that stigma and give some give a tool out that actually has the guidance that says we're here to, we can get treatment. Now, what we found with the GP practices is that more times than not, they're asking for one or two uh, documentation, an identification, something or other. And again, the actual standards don't have to ask for any, but it wasn't a case of pointing the finger and saying that this was bad. This was bad practice. This was good practice. It was a case of saying that, are you aware of this policy as well? In this special circumstance, would you do this that, and the other? So we're asking base, a baseline of what it is you do collect for for the general public but in a circumstance if i came in and i had no address documentation or my immigration status was maybe maybe different to what you'd maybe expect would you still treat me would or would you turn away because we have had things nationally where people have turned away and then ill health has progressed and we certainly don't want to see any of that across these riding and on the back of that as well, you know, when we did um, consultation with some of the partners we worked with, they'd um, said that some of the, the homeless people they work with had tried to register or gain uh, health service, you know, while working into a doctor's or a dentist or even opticians have been turned away. And obviously, because they are vulnerable, they might not have that, um, I guess, the, the strength of character or they accept it and walk away. So it just gives them that bit of confidence that, you know, when they do walk in there, if they encounter that, they, they, they know their rights and they've got something to fall back on. Did you notice any difference between, uh, say, gaining access to GPs, any difference between GPs, 
dentists, you just mentioned opticians. Are one group more willing than others, or what, what have you found? Well, that was just um, you know comments that we was we've told on. Obviously, the report centred more on the GP side of it. Um, that was just you know the feedback we got from some of the partners we worked with that it wasn't just the GPs that were was asking for this sort of documentation and uh, fixed address type of thing. You know, so that was we didn't investigate that further. Yeah, because like I say, the report centred on the GP side of it. And I think as well, there was an element of we looked at what the priority was. And for us, the priority was firstly access to primary care, which is the GP, because actually more times than not, if they went to the GP first and it wasn't necessarily something that they would deal, they maybe would be referred to other services, opticians, dentists, et cetera. Um, and I think the first part on call would be for them to access the GP. So we looked at the, for based on our resource as a staff and, and as volunteers, what we could do against the landscape of the East Riding, which essentially lent itself to these 51 GPs. But this hopefully will be a report that has some sort of echo so that dentists do take notice of it and opticians take notice of it in pharmacies and realise that they should be just, if anything, it gives them an opportunity just to review their own procedures and, and take stock. Let's be honest, some homeless people are quite characters. Um, a lot of them have addictions. They can be really difficult people to work with. They can actually be sometimes quite dangerous people to work with. Did you in any way find any sense that people had been turned away because of the nature of, say, you know, the, their particular need? I don't think we found that, certainly in these riding. I think you hear stories nationally, and one thing that we always do prior to any piece of work is actually consult with our National Health Watch network as well. Even though we're Health Watch East Riding of Yorkshire, Health Watch is a national organisation that has one in each local authority. So we always look at what other pieces of work have been around homelessness. And actually, there was a pretty similar piece of work done in London. And for the same reasons, they found people... And again, I would imagine that homelessness is a bit more prominent in London than it is in East Riding. So they had a bit more of a sample size to work from. But we, you know, there are stories where people are turned away, maybe for bad behaviour or, or being potentially quote unquote dangerous to to work with. But regardless of those reasons, this is a, still a vulnerable group, and we have to maybe get past that surface level perception to realise that actually there are individuals here who are most at risk, and that we still need to to provide this service for them as well. And that, I think that certainly regionally, recently, homeless people have been getting a bad shake. Um, and it's it's maybe a few who are representing a group and we want to focus on the good side of things as well because when we've gone and done outreach with partners and, and worked with those people in the community, they're just people who want to get by and we want to support them as best we can. I mean, from speaking to them, some of them have, have told us stories where, I mean, obviously it's 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 their their word we've got to take, but they, they have said, you know, it's because of the stigma involved with them being homeless so rough sleeping um but when we've actually accompanied a few of the people that you know contributed to the report um as part of outreach when we worked with partners we did help them to access a gp on a, on a couple of occasions um and we saw the difficulties but I, again we, we were told of it so it's stories of it but we never witnessed it so this report is about that immediate access to health services um have you got any indication did your report in any way look into level of care, level of treatment after a homeless person had successfully uh, registered with a GP? No, this, this report was primarily about access, accessing the care. One thing that we do with our reports is we do follow-up work. 
and that will mean in, in six months we'll revisit this subject in one way or another, not with the same scrutiny that we've maybe put within this first report because obviously work plans change and we have to look at new issues, but we will go back and see what's happened. Are people accessing it? Has the card been useful? And then one of those questions will be, and what's the level of care you've been receiving? Um, because again, there shouldn't be a discrepancy in that either. There shouldn't be a case of, well, we can't refer you here because of this reason or whatever else somebody should go in and get the same treatment as the next person and that's what we have to just make sure we're consistent on but that's also an overarching area of where we work as health watch is that not necessarily checking the treatment levels of people want this vulnerable homeless group once where they get in the door but for everybody what is everybody across these ridings experience of their service like um so did you come across any examples of really good practice um, through the phone calls um, that we made to each of the GP practices, I think there was one or two that followed the um, procedure to a T and even made reference to um, the forms, uh, the, the, the actual guide of uh, registering someone without a fixed abode. I think as we started making our way through the phone calls and uh, seeing mixed responses, having that GP, you know, the receptionist turn around and, and quote that was, you know, for me, a bit of a, a shock. I thought it was fantastic. Um, and then we actually chose that practice uh, when we did the like mystery shops, if you like. And, and again, I mean, it may or may not have been the same member of staff, but again, it was quoted. So on both occasions, you know, you know, outstanding glowing report from for that particular practice. So what are your recommendations then now to GPs? And does, does Healthwatch have teeth? Are you able to sort of police some sort of progress in the future? Yeah, I mean, Healthwatch basically came about because of the change in the Care Act in 2014. And as a result of that, they've given us some teeth. Um, with that, when we produce recommendations, um, we, need a legal, we need a response within 20 days as part of our legal process, if you like. That that doesn't necessarily mean they will action the recommendation. However, this is that partly falls back on us making sure that our recommendations are actually actionable and achievable, not pie in the sky saying, oh, we'll just change the NHS. Well, that's not necessarily reasonable. And that's why our stakeholders are a key part of who we work with, because we have to say, this is how you operate, but how can you maybe tweak something or change something to benefit those who use your service? So we made four recommendations on the back of this report. And we didn't make the recommendations specifically to the GPs. What we did was we made them to the clinical commissioning group who commissioned these services because our recommendations, and ideally we will make small recommendations if and when we see it fit, but we tried to change the system, not put a plaster on, on, a, on a cut essentially. So we made four recommendations, two of which were to East Riding CCG and the Vale of York CCG because they are co-commissioned services across East Riding. Vale of York concentrating on the Pocklington area and the East Riding CCG covering the rest of the patch. So our recommendations to them was to actually just raise the awareness of this national guidance to all their GPs to make sure that they are that the practice managers go away and actually look at that and the CCG pressure them a little bit to go and make sure they are following this policy. And secondary to that, to the, the other recommendation was to actually promote and put posters up that say that they have the same information as what our cards do so if somebody did walk into a practice they could identify quite clearly from a poster on the wall or information at reception that they still had the right to access care then our recommendation which was about us producing this registration rights card to empower because that sometimes we won't produce a recommendation for ourselves because we've made the report it makes no sense but we actually found doing this piece of work we had an obligation to do something 
for us as messengers, essentially. We carry the message from health services to the public and we have an opportunity to fill that gap. So we did that for us. And then finally, our last recommendation was to the local authority, East Riding Council, because they're currently undertaking change to their homeless strategy. And we thought this was a good opportunity to put some wording in that strategy that basically meant that homeless people's rights when accessing care was looked after. Tell me more about the card then. You've got the cards there in front of you. You know, what's on the card? You read it out if you like. Yeah. And how do people get hold of these cards? Then? So um, the card basically, again, is a tool in which somebody can feel a bit more empowered. We first thing we actually realized is how we needed to make it. We didn't want to give it as like a paper tear off because actually this group potentially will not be able to keep it dry, keep it safe because of the nature of, of, of the, the all the reasons that we understand with being homeless potentially. So we made a hard plastic credit card sized card branded very much green and pink in the in the health watch colors on the front it has a clear statement that says i have the right to access treatment and register with a gp practice that statement alone gives somebody that ownership to say yes i do have that opportunity and on the back it basically enforces that national guidance which is i do not need a fixed address i do not need identification and my immigration status does not matter and underneath it just plays This is the long one here, but it says, as stated in the patient registration standard, operating principles for primary medical care. So it's just reinforcing that this is actually coming from not just an idea from us, it's national practice. And also we've put our details on there as well, because if people do take this card and still get turned away, they need to tell us so we can hold that service to account. And again, that's why we work with the commissioners and not necessarily the practices. We have to make sure that we are able to to swing the hammer if needs must. So we've already sent it to um, some of the people who worked with the stakeholders, the uh, the council, and with a letter, you know, sort of saying if if they they require these cards because they work with this vulnerable group, then we can send them some. Uh, the people we already worked with on the report have already been sent um, a batch each to distribute to to their clients. So it will get distributed from, through the people we've worked with and obviously people can contact us to, to request them. Okay, so tell me more about those people you've worked with. Let's, let's name them. Okay, <laughs> so um, partners in this research. Um, so the, the main one that we worked with on the outreach uh, was Emmaus. Uh, so we worked with them uh, numerous times. To begin with, we, we, we realised that you know we wasn't going to be able to just walk out onto the street with a clipboard and our name badges on and just approach homeless people. We needed to gain their trust. So we identified Emmaus as a group that was already going out and working with the rough sleepers uh, and already had an element of trust. So for the first couple of months, we, we just sort of piggybacked those uh, Emmaus and other groups. Um, we worked with the YMCA in Goal as well and... Um, a lot of the local authority yeah, um, and the local authority are well placed to to kind of cover numerous wear different hats different areas so we worked with different sections public health was one of them and um, the housing department within local authority as well and um, also a group that we, we worked with some partners who represent those in hull to get an idea of some of the issues because actually those that may be our homeless in hull aren't always homeless in hull there is that boundary of east riding and hull is invisible to most of the public. It, it's a case of just going in between the two. So we worked with organisations such as Switch, who are based at Hull CVS um, as well, and they were a valuable partner to us. So, um, And also smaller, sm- uh, I say smaller organisations, but organisations who don't necessarily, straight away you think, well, they don't represent homeless, but in, in a way they do. So Mind was mm-hmm. was somebody that we liaised with a little bit and, and such. So, And then higher up, the CCG, uh, the Foundation Trust, conversations were had with those partners as well and um, it was about covering all our bases really and then to follow up with this how we will then 
make sure that this is happening is firstly we what was positive is we didn't actually see bad practice really we saw indifferent practice we saw that people were still getting registered one way or another but maybe their address would be registered here when actually they don't need to have a registered address that sort of thing and um, how we will follow this up is essentially in six months we'll revisit this topic we need to let changes happen they don't necessarily happen overnight some services will be really reactive and go we can change that tomorrow some services are always going through a transition so we'll need a bit more time but the hope is in six months we can go back we'll probably do the similar process of the interim view of calling the practices and such and just really doubling down on our questions and saying what it is you're doing now and we'll produce a bit of work that says this is the comparison this is what happened in early 2018 this is what's happened at the end of 2018 has there been a change and where's the needle moved obviously we, we will continue to work with those partners so like Emmaus you know we, we went out with them yesterday started handing out the cards to the people they work with um so yeah, so that will you know continue because obviously we are we are the public voice, so we need to continue working with those those people and giving them the opportunity to speak to us and tell us their experiences and feedback. Okay, so give me your documentation. How do people speak to you? What's your address? What's your website address in particular? Um, well, first thing we always say, it's easy just to quite Google us to be honest. Um, Healthwatch East Riding of Yorkshire again. That's clear. That's that's. What, if they just put in Healthwatch, they'll get the national one. So uh, Healthwatch East Riding of Yorkshire. If they don't live in East Riding and they want to access, there's a Healthwatch Hull, there's a Healthwatch North Lincolnshire, everywhere you go. Um, so they can access us, then go to the website, which is a long one, which is healthwatcheastridingofyorkshire.co.uk. And then they can, they, we have an inquiries email, so that's just inquiries at healthwatcheastridingofyorkshire.co.uk. So there's numerous ways they can access us. On the website, there's also contact forms and such, so people can kind of just submit an inquiry that way. Well, Matthew, Chris, thanks for coming in. That's given some great insight, actually, into this particular piece of research. Um, I will put your website details in the show notes for this podcast, and I assume there's a clear link on your website for people, for listeners, to download the full report that we've been talking about. Thanks again for coming in. Um, if you've been listening to this podcast and you've had similar experiences or you know of people that have been turned away from NHS services for any particular reason, perhaps you'd like to get in touch um, on our website, the UK Housing and Homelessness podcast website. That's uh, ukhousing.news. You'll find a little Vox Pop recorder. It would be great if you could just leave us uh, a little message. Um, any of those messages we do get in, we might actually put into a future podcast. So thanks again for tuning in. It's been really good to have you listening. Bye for now. <laughs>